3: brings that person into their lives and may double down on that person you could really lose the child and and yes. i've seen that happen like per, per persons like i had a wonderful relationship with my child they met this person and whatever trauma bond or anything they created with this person there was no getting in and the people and the people would take the wrong tactic at trying to break them out but i've seen many a person who had a magnificent relationship with their child and then they met someone and it all went yes out. oh my gosh
0: Drop it like it's hot, drop it like it's hot, drop it like it's hot. Natalie, what do I do? <laughs> I hope it's giddy, giddy. I'm so thankful you're here, Dr. Romney.
3: It's my um, pleasure. This- Thank you so much for having me.
0: I mean, I think that what you're doing is fairly remarkable because we have seven children. And I think that this is probably one of our biggest fears is raising a narcissistic mm-hmm. child or raising, you know, someone who <laughs> um, uh, does not... Um, do what we oh. we align with our hopes and values for them. So sure. welcome. Or, I know or or have
2: one of our child date one.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's I mean they're both they're both concerning because if your child doesn't see it, brings that person into their lives. And may double down on that person. You could really lose the child, and and yes. I've seen that happen. Like pure per person's, like I had a wonderful relationship with my child. They met this person, and whatever trauma bond or anything they created with this person, there was no getting in. And the people, and the people will take the wrong tactic at trying to break them out. But I've seen many a person who had a magnificent relationship with their child, and then they met someone, and it all went yes. Down.
0: Oh, my gosh. If you're wondering what we're talking about, this is Dr. Romani, and she is a licensed clinical psychologist in Los Angeles. You're a professor of psychology at the California State University, Los Angeles, and the founder and CEO of Luna Education Training and Consulting, a company focused on educating individuals, clinicians, businesses, institutions on the impact of narcissistic personality styles. And that's, I forgot that they go everywhere. they're bosses, they're teachers, they're everything. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: You forget that. It's not just in your house. Mm -hmm. Can you you help describe to us what is a narcissist?
3: Mm -hmm. So a narcissistic person is a person with a narcissistic personality. And a narcissistic personality is a style uh, characterized by certain traits, like uh, not having, having sort of very non-genuine empathy and variable, inconsistent empathy and insincere empathy, entitlement, grandiosity, arrogance, validation seeking, um, uh, selfishness. Uh, need for control, and this these these patterns they show up as things like manipulation, gaslighting, invalidation in relationships with other people, uh, taking advantage of other people, running hot and cold, so you never quite know what you're getting. And all of this is around the internal part of the narcissistic person is very insecure, very shame-ridden, but they're not in touch with that. So you knowing that almost in some ways doesn't help things, except maybe to be a little bit more compassionate, but knowing that it's not going to change how bad these relationships can be for us.
0: And you have a new book coming out in um, 2024 in February, and it is about identifying and healing from mm-hmm. a narcissistic behavior because i think it's really hard to separate if you love someone because yeah. they're they are not quote unquote terrible people necessarily is that true
3: yeah well here's <laughs> the thing. I hate the idea of a terrible person because yes. i think people are so much more complicated than terrible or not and that's the challenge here right yes. so for a person you've had a history of them doing some decent things right And then from time to time, they betray your trust. They invalidate you. You, around them, you start feeling more and more like you're on guard, that you're not enough. You're walking on eggshells. And then they're really nice to you again. You have a history with them. You understand their backstory. You understand why they are the way they are. You start seeing that this becomes really, really complicated, right? But ultimately if you're in a relationship with someone and you don't feel safe and you don't feel seen and you don't feel heard, and there's no way to get to that destination with this person, it's less about whether or not they're a terrible person and more about whether this relationship is in the long term really going to hurt you.
0: (sighs) Like, is this someone that they're born with this? They're created, they learn it from a, from someone outside of their environment? Like as a parent, this is frightening, right? So what are what are things that we're doing to create
3: these people or are mm-hmm. they created nurture versus nature, I guess? It's almo- a personality is almost all nurture. It's not nature, right? We, okay. it's it, it's it's what we call social cognitive development, right? We go through a process. A child interacts with the world. Their personality gets shaped. The per- the child also though gets a sense of safety and being seen and being heard narcissistic personality has as as its core, a real inherent sense of insecurity, right? So the child sort of feels like they're on their back foot from a very, very early age. They don't feel a safe sense of attachments. They don't feel a sense of consistency. They don't, they also feel a sense of, I have to be what this other person wants me to be, or there's nothing I can be. There can be a lot of chaos, but you got to remember this. A lot of the conditions that create a narcissistic kid, whether it's conditions of adverse, I mean, a narcissistic adult from childhood, whether it's conditions of adversity or it's conditions of overindulgence, you know, if you want a real fast track to create a narcissistic kid is to tell your child they're more special than any other child and a lot of parents grapple with that they're like well this is my kid i'm like yeah and your kid's special and that person's kid's special and that person's kid's special and that person's kid's special and your kid is no more special so yeah your kid's gonna wait in the line and yeah your kid may not get to play every minute in the game you want them to they are no more special and kids who kids who come from homes where they're told you're more special, you're more valuable, you're the chosen one, these rules aren't for us. And those kids really bake that into their identity that I'm the most special. That's another fast track to narcissism. And so but there are kids raised under these conditions. They're raised under conditions of adversity or their kids raised under these conditions of overindulgence and specialness. Most, of, most people don't go on to become narcissistic, right? But when we tell the story of a narcissistic person backwards, we'll see one or the other and sometimes even both of those backstories in their background. There is a biological part of personality called temperament. It's the part of our personality we're sort of born with. It's why we might have a quirk in our personality that resembles an aunt or a grandparent we've never met because that piece carries. And it it has been found that kids with more difficult, challenging um, temperaments that act out more that need a lot more attention that tend to be quite behaviorally agitated that are difficult to soothe those kids are at slightly higher risk of becoming narcissistic depending on the environmental conditions if you take a kid one of those with one of those more difficult temperaments and they're in a consistent loving Environment where people know how to be with them and and meet them where they're at, you have a much 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 higher likelihood that none of that's going to happen. So, it's it's it it's a it's a long game, you know, and it's one we can't really fully tell until that child becomes an adult. That's so frightening. Yes, <clears throat> that's great.
0: Um, are is there a way that we can encourage us? Like, if we want we want them to grow up to be independent valued and you feel like it only comes from you as a parent feeding them the ideology that they're amazing people. How do you foster a self-esteem without completely annihilating um, them and
3: giving them a narcissistic view in in, in life? Have a conversation Mm -hmm. above and beyond just the amazingness of what they're doing and really have them go deep on what it is they are doing. I think that we're so sort of like, that's amazing, you learned this, or that's amazing, you got an A. It's more the Tell me you, it sounds like you really love this English class. Tell me why you love this English class. Tell me about your teacher. Tell me what you're doing. What is it that speaks to you? let them let them go on the mental sort of walkabouts, as I call them, and sort of explore things. One of the things that's happening a lot for parents is, we're all probably being too directive with our kids. Well, there's this cool summer internship and I heard about this really cool thing. I know this person who works in this. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not what they want. They don't want us to fix things. Believe if you have a healthy child, they're actually gonna come to you in some cases and say, oh, I'm so frustrated. I wanna do this art thing, but I don't even know what to do. I'm like, okay. How? And then ask them, how can I help you? Not rolling up your sleeves and getting in there. They're not six, right? They don't need us to sign them up for summer camp. What they need us to do is to hear what they're sharing and be really interested and engaged without being sort of superficially cheerleading. So when there's, it's, it's like if, I, if my clients came into therapy with me and they said, I I went on a, a date for this weekend, it's been the first time since my divorce. Oh my gosh, you're amazing. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. That's not what they're paying for. You know what they want? I'm like, Tell me about that. Tell me what that was like. Tell me how it felt. And then they will launch into, because honestly, inside, I'm thinking it's extraordinary that their healing has come to that place. But what they need to do is a place to take it out and explore it. And in that work, even with an adult therapy client, it's helping them realize that this is their experience. Their feelings are real to let them be with their feelings. So if your kid says, yeah, I know, I know. I said, I wanted to go to med school, but golly, I am. I'm not enjoying these classes. Many parents will be tempted to say, no, 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 no. It's not a big deal. Like sometimes people don't like that one class. Uh -uh -uh." That's when we say, talk talk to me. What's been going on? What are you feeling? And then let that kid say, I don't know. Like I'm real anxious. And, and mirror back the emotion rather than no 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 you're amazing at science you see the difference i'm saying yeah we're Mm -hmm. not going deep with our kids we're so interested in cheerleading them that we're not actually being present with them and uh, and the kids sometimes feel so obligated to please or not let down their parents whom they might see making sacrifices or putting in the time that they're reluctant to tell the parent the thing that they don't want to hear, which is maybe I don't want to go to med school. Maybe I don't want to go to college. Maybe I don't want this or I do want this and just simply letting them mentally explore because sometimes that's all they want to do. And if they feel that the parent is a safe space to do that, that doesn't have an agenda, but rather a talk to me about it. The child now all of a sudden feels safe enough to say, okay, I can punch this out a little bit. And I am not letting this person down because they're not saying, but no, 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 actually, yeah, I know organic chem is hard, but no, 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 it's going to be fine. What are they hearing? They're going to be pissed if I don't become a doctor. right.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
2: Get it off your chest with better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash cat and nat today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash cat and nat Um, if you're sitting there and you let's say you have like a, a teenager or you you have a 20-year-old a or whatever, and you're you're like, this sounds like my kid. Like What do I do? Is it too late? Has everything I've done as a parent, like, I've done such a bad job. Whatever I did, I didn't mean to do it. But now I have a narcissist. What do I do?
3: So here's the thing. One of the things that's so challenging is that if if you take a lot of snapshots of a 17, 18, 19, 20, even 21-year-old, a lot of them are going to look narcissistic, right? Self-serving and doing what they want. Some kids are going to be downright combative, right? And so you're going to have a spectrum of that. Just like narcissism isn't an either or. It's not like a person is or isn't a narcissistic person. It's a continuum. And at the mild end, it's annoyance. And it's a person who we're annoyed with them. They're selfish and they're self-serving and they're entitled and they don't ever stop to consider other people's feelings. Again, your average adolescent. All the way up to the severe end where you might have an adolescent who is 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 so combative that they're running away they're acting out they're using substances in a dangerous way in the household those are different animals right but if you're dealing with your garden variety super selfish sullen when they won't when you ask them to empty the dishwasher lots of and then they go into their rooms by themselves and they they don't want to talk about anything one thing i'll always tell parents listen you you don't want to just say okay everything's fine this is adolescence Contrast this to their other rhythms. If this was a gregarious kid who is now no longer gregarious, and that's a pretty quick pivot, try to poke in there. I mean, did they have a relationship breakup? Is something else going on? What's happening? And find your ways in there without it being like, you are not closing out yourself in that room saying, hey, you're in here a lot, worried about you. What's going on? Like approach them a lot. Again, I'm amazed at how many parents still hold on to old school sorts of, I'm going to get, I'm going to squeeze this out of them. I'm their parent. They They don't owe you anything. You know, they're, they're your child. And so that idea of if it's, it really does, if what the sullenness and the combativeness you're seeing is a change, you really want to get in there and make sure it's not depression. It might not be a stress reaction to other things that are going on. They're not getting into substances in a way that's dangerous. But let's just clear all the acute stuff out of the way and just say you have a selfish, Entitled Pain in the Neck Adolescents. And you're worried that, do I now have a narcissistic person on my hand? And I'm going to say something that's not going to be very helpful, which is you got to give this one time. And what you don't want to do is what you never want to do with any narcissistic person or even healthy adolescent is you don't want to get into a power struggle Mm -hmm. because that's the mistake that parents make. Like, you are not talking to me this way in this house. You certainly can say, that's not you know, that that that's, I feel disrespected. That's not okay. You can talk to them like an adult versus I am the iron hand of this roost kind of thing. That's never going to work, right? It's just going to set up more and more sort of friction. I think it helps the parent feel like, yeah, look at me, I'm parenting. But no, not really. You're just kind of overwhelming your child and controlling them and subjugating them. Like, turn it into a conversation, but you can only tell this story backwards for every 17 year old that complained and on and on about, I'm not doing that. You can't make do their lovely 27 year olds. And like, oh my gosh, I gave my parents a run for their money. And once I found my stride, I was fine. And for every 27 year old who's a raging narcissist, they were complaining about the dishwasher too. So my point is that divergence is, you know, you're asking, how do we get ahead of this? I think the challenge is, is that adolescence is a tough time to get ahead of anything, but don't try, don't make it worse. So basically it's be present. It's trust the process. And and really, if you want to make a difference, this all, this stuff has to be done before the age of 10, before the Mm. age of eight. That you, that's sort of when the ship was leaving the harbor. So trying to throw more cargo on it while it's in the middle of the sea. It's a little bit of a tough pull, but it's a, um, that's when they were really getting those, the, the, the self-regulation, the, the sense of self was developing, but we can do things during adolescence. We can ride those moments with them. We can be present. We can try not to have an agenda with them. We can hear them. We can reflect emotion to them. Like we can sort of meet them where they're at. A lot of adolescents are very, very anxious. And instead of saying it's all going to be fine, we can say things like it's tough. Like it's tough. It's a tough world. This is a tough time of life. I'm, you know, I'm so sorry versus everything's going to be fine. That kind of bypassing, they're not that interested in that because, you know, at some level that maybe they know that too. So I think all of these things that it's a story you're going to be able to tell backwards, but don't get into the power struggle. Like, it won't work with an adult narcissist, and it's not going to work with an adolescent.
0: Yeah, you know, you make such a good point. And I think that like when you say they need to go through tough times, right? I'm assuming when uh-huh. they go through the tough times, you letting them go through it teaches them how to not. Now, this is what's struggling i'm struggling with right now so if you are there they should go through tough times number one i think parents need to hear that that tough times are are actually a good thing because mm-hmm. it lets them learn about how to handle things without becoming a victim because sometimes vers- um narcissism sounds like it's all no one has it as bad as me no one has yes, it as hard as me mm-hmm. no one like so you become they become the victim and the parents kind of feed into that like well no my my kid had it worse than your kid because Right, so it it, it uh, becomes uh, like a competition uh, of who had uh-huh, it worse. Uh-huh, so in uh-huh. the time when they're when they're going through something hard, and it might not be your definition of hard or your friend's kid's definition of hard, what is something we can say to them that enables empathy rather than complacement? Um, where I know you said just sit back and say, "Tell me more about it," but like you said, as parents, we want to rush in and save that feeling. Right? How can we? be of help. Do they need the help or are we letting them work through this on their own um, and they have to ask for help? But if they've never,
3: if we've always helped them, how are we teaching them to ask for help when we've always done it? So it's, they need, so there's a wonderful article in the New York Times of some months ago and, and the, the person writing it actually talked to a first grade teacher, right? And she said, how do you manage all of these sort of chaotic first graders? And, you know, how do you work with them? The teacher said very simply, I ask a child who's having a moment, do they want to be helped, heard, or hugged? Mm. And I think that that kind of inquiry could be very, it may not be that in your face, but I think that that's sort of where your ch- any of our children are struggling too, is when they're talking about all this and say, you know, just say, "How can I? Be, how can I be here for you? You know, cause I, I'm confident that you've got this, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're wise and you figure things out, but sometimes we need help. So can i can i be of help or do you just need me to help you hear it out or do you just want me to sit here quietly with you what well, you 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 think on that and i'm happy to do all three that it's the and then because that's part of the problem solving what do i even as adults we struggle with this what do i need to get to the other side of this right sometimes we need to vent sometimes we need to cry sometimes we need to be left alone it's on us as adults to figure out what that thing is. Nobody can read our minds. So it's a, we as for adolescents though, who are still developing, we're letting them know all of those options are fine. You just need me to sit here with you, totally fine. You want me to, you want me to give you some time and space, fine. But I want you to know I'm here in any capacity you need, but I trust you too. I know you're going to figure this out, but sometimes we need a little help. Do not, do not, um, don't be reluctant to ask.
0: We also, we made a journal um, for parents so they could communicate with writing rather than, um, you know, always talking. And I'm assuming that in something like that, you could write to them with space without expecting a response. I'm here for you if you need me. I see you and kind of validate them without even having to verbally because sometimes even verbally open your mouth ignites a fire you can't even, you know, imagine. So Mm -hmm. I'm assuming any level of I'm here for you. Let me know what you need. Um, Mm -hmm. Just writing that simply to them probably validates how they feel and they might not need anything else.
3: Mm -hmm. Yep. It's the let me know how you, what you need. It's the touching base with them, however they want to be communicated with. You know, sometimes a parent might say just I'm dropping the text like, hey, just thinking about you. Love you. You know, hope you're having a great day Um, that, you know, the child may might be a little bit of an eye roll. But trust me, those eye rolls at the same time, there's a four year old that's holding on to it like a special note you put in their lunchbox. Both of those things are happening simultaneously. I think that's why adolescence is so confusing. And so letting them know we're there, not cuz we're telling them did you remember this? did you do this? what mm. time was this? not just the um the procedural texting, but the like it's again the the note we used to put in the lunchbox when they were little kids. It's it's that that's we can send those texts like just thinking about you. I hope you're having a great day. I know you had that test today. I hope you're doing okay now or you know like uh whatever it may be or you know I hope that meeting went well or whatever, whatever it could be. Um it's hot today, you're doing okay with that. Just it's it's somebody feeling seen and heard in the world. Think of how desperate we are for that as adults. That that that's what they that's those kinds of things substantiate in them that they are worthy of being seen and not just when they're being performative or that or the world is ending.
0: Oh my gosh, you have been I mean I
3: know is coming out I need to know if a narcissist can change. Uh, Okay. So an adult, let's get for a while. Okay. Get into adulthood. Narcissism is a personality style. All right. So I'll put it to you as a question. The two of you have personalities, right? I'm spending time time with you to know. I know Mm. I have a personality. How much could yours change? Not a lot. And the healthier the personality, the more flexible it is. I, I I can only give my own example. I'm an agreeable. That was such observer. a good line. That was such a good line. The, the healthier the personality, which means self-esteem, the more willing it is to change. Right. And healthy self-esteem. It can't just be self-esteem. It's, it's healthy self-esteem, healthy self-appraisals, knowing what I'm good at, knowing what I'm not so good at, knowing that, you know, like I'm having a bad day today. So maybe I need to step back a little bit. Healthy self-esteem is awareness, right? It's not, mm-hmm. I'm great. It's, I did a good job or yeah I didn't do a very good job but I'm going to come out the other side. It's not walk around saying I'm the best. It's not affirmations. It's it's knowing yourself. That's mm. self-esteem. That's self-awareness, right? And so but the healthier, the more flexible. So what that means is a person with a healthy personality might be able to make the allowances and the switches and the change because they have empathy, because they have compassion. They may say I am an introvert, but my my sister wants me to take this pottery class with her and it means so much to her and I love her. So I'm going to go to the pottery class and make the conversation for six weeks, even though it's going to be hard because it's meaningful to her. And I want to maintain this relationship. You see what I'm saying? So a yeah. narcissist person like to hell with you. I'm not going to a stupid pottery class. Yeah. You're not getting them off of that track. So in order, so, and even a healthy person, I consider myself a relatively healthy, agreeable, introverted person. I'm never going to be the life of the party. Someone invites me to a party, I'll go. And I'm going to come home and collapse with exhaustion and hope to God I don't need to go to another party for about a month because I don't like it. I've been like that since I was—I have a memory. I've never liked being in groups of people. So I'm, I'm 57 now. That did not change. It will not change. I can flex out of it for a minute. So asking a narcissistic person to go from egocentric, entitled, grandiose, arrogant, and needing me, 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 and being told they're great—is that going to change? Probably not. And if they don't get therapy, and therapy requires being vulnerable, and they don't think there's something wrong, and they don't think they need to change, so if again, if there's no catalyst for change, it's almost like an addict with rock bottom. If addicts didn't hit rock bottom, then they're like, uh, they're not really stopping using. They're like, okay, I won't drink tonight because that's going to make you happy. That's not quitting something that they know is harming them, right? That's not yeah. ending. That's ending that whole. addressing the disease as it were this is a different model this isn't an addiction model this is very much every single day hour everything accountability it's a heavy lift asking a narcissistic person to change is a big ask and they ain't going to do it so the answer to that is whatever change they can make is never going to be enough that someone in a relationship with them would say this is now a healthy relationship some people might say this is not a healthy relationship, but the little changes they made are enough for me to endure this because we got kids, we got shared money. I don't feel safe mm-hmm. leaving. You know, whatever practical reasons they cite, or a person might say, my mother is still a terrible person. She's still critical, but she's learned to hold her tongue when it comes to my weight. It's still not a healthy relationship. I'm still not super close to her, but I think I can keep showing up because I don't feel comfortable ending the relationship with my mother. But it's not this person's like, oh, my mom is great. My mom is right. Great. It's not that we're not seeing that level of shift, and you never will because personality is not going to shift that much. This personality started. Listen, these folks are successful. So, some people might say, I like the life. I like the house. I like the club. I like the car. And (laughs) I think that that's going to only be with this person, and I don't want it to end. And and so, the work then becomes recognizing realistically, this is how this person's always going to treat you. And if those things matter to you, there's no judgment on that. But there's no version of this where this is going to become a sweetheart.
0: Oh, I love how you speak. Yeah, your oh. you, your book is really so needed because there's so much narrative about narcissism, and I think yes. nobody really knows what it is when yeah, it like comes down to it. Mm-hmm. And there's so many trends. So like, mm-hmm. you know, you have laid this out so well, and. You are really one of our favorite people we've ever spoken to because oh, it is sweet. just so, so helpful. Where can people find you?
3: Where yeah. can people pre order? When is your book on for pre order? And now, pre order. Now, now, now. now. pre order So I love, thank you for saying you love how I talk. And that's how the book reads. It's just oh. me yammering on, but it's on the pages. So it's, Please pre-order the book. You can pre-order it anywhere you buy your books. You know, it can be good old Amazon or Barnes and Noble, but it could be your local bookseller. It could be Target. Anywhere you get books, you can pre-order this book. And so, the, pre-order the book. Um, if people are experiencing narcissistic relationships, they feel they need more support. We have a healing program for people who are in narcissistic relationships. You can go to my website, drromany.com, and find that we have a YouTube channel. We yes, post videos on YouTube on narcissism every day. A lot of those are. Based Based on ideas that people are asking questions about so it may very well be that what other people are going through is yours or you watch it and say i want to know more about this we have almost all cataloged and everything so we have thousands, over 15 almost 1500 videos there so they can find that content there um, we have information about all this on my website. I have two other books on narcissism. Three, yes, I just was going to say that. Yeah, which one? Yeah. So you have three books, right, right now? Uh, so, I have four which... books total, but the last the three are on narcissism. And the, I would say that the the first book on narcissism, Should I Stay or Should I Go?, is really about people who are at that crossroads of do I stay or do I not in a narcissistic, you know, intimate relationship? Don't you know who I am is sort of an overview of how narcissism is showing up in our lives and it's not you. It's how you heal from these relationships. <gasps> So, every oh one my. of these books is sort of acting in a different different leg under the table. and and, like, and, like I said, we have YouTube. We have our healing program. You have, we have a podcast. this a podcast navigating. Yep. So where we hear people's real stories. So we have a lot. We'll, pretty much we will link we it
0: all. Thank we'll you. We'll link it all. And um, thank you. I really, uh, parents need to hear this. So yeah. thank you for this conversation. And um, wow, I've learned so much and I thank really you. appreciate your wisdom and your time and what you're doing. Just thank
3: you so much. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Have a great day. Nice to meet you. Have meeting. a great day. Nice, thank thank meet you. You. nice, great nice day. to meet you. Bye. Okay. Bye. bye.